Well, greetings and welcome back to the, the Clarity Podcast, Season 2, Episode 4. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Sandemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. So excited to be here again today with Dick Foth on Back Channel with Foth. And then we'll jump into our interview with Pastor Angelo Jean-Pierre. And we have a great discussion, um, Angelo and I do, and you'll learn a ton from him and uh, just someone that... Uh, insight and wisdom when it comes to evangelism and prayer. And I've just found Angelo as a a fast friend. Dick, so excited to be with you again today on Back Channel with Foth. Thank you, Aaron. And man, I wish I had a name like Angelo Jean-Pierre. That's so much much classier than than a Teutonic Dick Foth. Uh, anyway, he, he was a joy and uh, man, like I said, fast friend and somebody just uh, just really, really interesting to to learn and grow from. Dick, I got two questions for you today that listeners have sent in. First question is, what is one thing you know now that you wish you knew at 40? Being the expansive person that I am, I'll give you two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, my friend Batterson uh, sort of keyed this thought in me, and I think this is true, uh, that at 40, I thought I could do more in two years than I could. Hmm. And I didn't realize, uh, or excuse me, I could, uh, I thought I could do, I thought I could do more, mm-hmm. but actually could do less in hmm. two years than I thought. And and I didn't realize that if I stayed the course, I could do more in 10 years than I thought I could do in 10 years. Wow. That, that's a little awkward way of saying it. But I think that, that um, uh, I didn't have the depth of appreciation for range of time then, hmm. than I have now. And maybe that's just because I've got almost eight decades under my belt. Uh, this the second thing is that I have come to understand better, although I I think I felt it then I couldn't articulate it then. I, I've come to understand better that a few deep friendships uh, at forty hmm. are better than twenty casual friendships. That's good. And, uh, but I, but I did learn that going along. And so I found that to be so productive. Yeah, that's good. Dick, this is a question that I'm, I'm going to throw at you. Um, keys to staying the course, because you said about you could two years versus 10 years. And what I heard in that, in your response is the, the idea of staying the course and, and walking that in, in the long term. Do you have any wisdom on, on staying the course? You know, I think when I say staying the course, uh, I mean that in terms of the values mm-hmm. and the um, the relationships that are important. Good. So uh, staying the course in my uh, relationship and growth in Jesus, staying the course in my case, in a marital relationship, even though there are bumps and deep holes and great heights and all of that, just stay with it. Staying the course with children that sometimes wander off yeah. <laughs> because they're yours for Pete's sake. You know, yeah. <laughs> you lay it all out. Where did they get that? Well, you know, came by it honestly. And staying the course 
in the in the mission uh, to which I feel I'm called. And and mission I would define in the largest sense because I've had several roles in my checkered past. You know, mm. I was an associate pastor. I was a Christian school principal. I was a church planter, college president, sort of life coach in D.C. and conference. All of those things. That don't confuse roles with your mission, hmm. and um, and just keep investing in those tracks because as you go along, you find I think you find your sweet spot along that's the way, good. and and that's what I mean by staying the course. No, that's good. That's good. Second question, kind of on the same lines. What is one thing you prioritized at forty that you you now realize was not essential? Well, you know, in those first 20 years, it, let's say you go to college. You don't have to, but let's say you did. Those, those next 20 years, you're sort of making your mark. Yeah. That's, that's how you are in those yeah. years. That's true whether you're in a marital relationship, whether you're in a particular role or function. And um, I can remember thinking that every invitation that I got to speak uh, was just God's opportunity for me. Well, maybe it was both's opportunity for him. You know, we all like to be chosen. We yeah. all like to be invited. I still yeah. like to be invited. I like to be invited to be on this podcast, yeah, yeah, you know? Sure. So, but um, I think, um, I think the thing that I didn't realize as significantly was making my mark in the moment at 40. Hmm is not as important as letting whatever it is God's doing in you and through you and with you grow over time. Wow. He will open the doors. You hmm. keep putting one foot in front of the other. Oswald Chambers, who's renowned because of a devotional that he spoke, but he didn't write. His wife put that together after his death at age 43 in Cairo in 1917 as a chaplain in the British Army uh, under the auspices of the YMCA. Um, In in his biography, uh, somebody asked him the question, how do you follow, how do you live your life? And he said, trust God and take the next step. Hmm. And I, I think I tried to strategize my, quote, career, end quote, for myself more at 40 than I probably should have. And I had been, I was four years into a 14 year college presidency at that time. So I was blowing and going and trying to raise millions of dollars and all those sorts of things. So I would, I would say um, I was prior to prioritizing probably subconsciously, not so much. I didn't get up in the morning and say, boy, I just like to make my mark. I don't think I did that, but subconsciously, that was a driver. And so in doing that, I let the urgent too often take the place of the important. And there are books on that. And we've heard that a lot, but I think that's what I did at 40 that I didn't do at 50 or 60 or 70 or now approaching 80. Uh, That's cool. That's cool. Really appreciate your wisdom and insight, Dick. And uh, it is, I'm 44, just turned 44, as it was, we're recording this, just turned 44 a few days ago. And, Congratulations. Uh, I and, remember uh, that age. Yeah. Fantastic. It's, uh, 
I got up for a run that on my birthday and uh, pulled a calf muscle and hurt my hip. And I thought, geez, Louise, what a what an introduction into the age of 44. So, but I well, <laughs> just just think. You only have 25 years until you're really in the prime of life. <laughs> well, if that's if 44 is any indication, I'm in trouble. So, hey, we're going to go ahead and jump into our interview with uh, Pastor Angelo Jean Pierre, and uh, we discuss um, team building, um, collaboration, and so much more. I really enjoyed getting to learn from Angelo, and there's no time better than now to get started. So, here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here today with a new friend, and Pastor Angelo Jean-Pierre. And um, he said that I could just call him or address him as Angelo today. And so um, I appreciate him and uh, just get we got to get, know each other a little bit before we, we turn on record. Angelo, it's so great to have you on the podcast today. Could you just introduce yourself to the audience, maybe for those who don't know you as, as well? Yeah, it's great to be here, Aaron. Um, I'm uh, over in California and I've uh, been here for about 11, 12 years. I'm married, got four beautiful children, one on the way, wow. and I currently oversee mobilizing um, about 2,500 students from around 65 to 70 nations to take what they're learning in our school of ministry and, and activate it into a lifestyle. So that's, that's my heartbeat. That's my passion. You know, I was, I was saved at 17 and a half, um, got to lead both my parents to the Lord, see my mom delivered off methamphetamines overnight, got to partner with my college basketball coach who used to be our, um, who came in as a believer. We joined together right away and got to lead our whole college basketball team to the Lord. And just uh, on all these appointments in my life to, to see just Jesus um, shine through individuals as a lifestyle. And so that's the heartbeat of what I do uh, daily here in Redding, California. Yeah, good deal, good deal. Your your heart for evangelism, obviously that that shines through. Is that something that since the time that you met Jesus, is that something that always has been a passion of yours, or is that something that's developed over time? Yeah, you know, I I think it's mostly been a passion. I got I got saved in a house church, and uh, the individual I uh, was a it was a church just in the Seattle area. Um, that's where I'm from originally, and. I got tricked into going there for football <laughs> and food. And man, I encountered the love of God and they started talking about miracles that had happened to them. This, this just beautiful uh, African-American family brought me into their home and just started telling about miracle after miracle. And I remember one day he read the Great Commission. He shut the Bible. It was like my second time there. And he says, now you go do it. And wow. it was that simple and it just lit a fire in me. And so I just, I didn't even know what an evangelist was, but I knew that I'd encountered something that I could give away. Yeah. And it's that reality of, you know, um, silver and gold. I don't have, like, I didn't have all the answers, but what I do have is I have an authentic encounter with his love that I can give away. That's and awesome. so that's, that started that, that in me right away yeah. to just share his love and his goodness. 
That's awesome. You, you know, you shared that you you lead a large team in mobilizing the the students at the school, and you know the podcast um, today we're talking about mobilizing team and te- te- building teams. And um, I just wanted to see if you could share some of your wisdom and insight on how you find clarity in casting a vision and mobilizing such a large team. That's a large team to mobilize and get and cast vision. Is there, is there some lessons you've learned or some wisdom you could share as far as that? You know, everything, it's the old uh, John Maxwell quote, right? Everything rises and falls on leadership. And so when we empower our leaders and our leaders thrive and we can cast vision and connect leaders with the heart of the Lord and, and then connect them with either the vision of the house or the organization some of your listeners may be a part of, they may be, they may have their own burning vision inside of them but they also may be connected to a bigger vision of the organization. So it's that dance of, of fulfilling the dreams of the, 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 the fathers and mothers above you while God's also birthing things inside of you. And it's that tension of aligning people to the heart of the Lord, the vision of the house, and then awakening what's inside of them and letting that flourish. And so that's where I find people really hit their sweet spots is when we can bring transformation to the city with passion that they have and connect it to the the movement of the house, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. You talked about um, respecting the the fathers and mothers of the house. Is there yeah. some lessons you've learned in that? And um, because I, I think that's a super, that's a very insightful point that, you know, God does birth in us passion and, and at the same time, respecting our, our fathers and mothers of the house and the vision that God has given them. How do you balance that? Cause that's, that is a, that's a tight rope to walk. Totally. You know, you, you gotta have empowering leaders for it mm. to really flourish. If you have leaders that don't want their ceiling to be your floor, it can mm. be a struggle to, to create this culture that we have. But when you do have leaders like that, um, you know, when I got to Reading at Bethel, the Lord really challenged me. I had a ministry name. I had a website, all this stuff. And he said, lay it down and serve somebody else's vision. And that was 2008. And I'm just launching my own stuff now. And, um, but what was awesome is all these dreams that I had in my heart, I saw the Lord accelerate above and beyond what I could dream or imagine when I laid down hmm. my dream. For example, um, the Lord told me to serve an evangelist in our house who led all the outreach. And my goal was to push him um, to see the dreams in his heart come, come to a reality. Yeah. And in doing this, um, I remember just one amazing story is I'm serving, serving, serving. And we're in Chicago filming for, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Darren Wilson in his, uh, his films yeah. like finger of God. Yeah. We're filming for finger of God too in Chicago. And, uh, and he's like, can you come with me and help me? And all of a sudden we're walking out of the hotel, we're filming and but we're also setting up, um, my buddy wrote a book that he gave all the proceeds to, uh, actually an orphanage in, Kenya, or we called it um, Heroes of the Nation, Children's hmm. Village. Okay. And so, um, so I see this, I'm serving, helping, and all of a sudden, a friend comes out and is like, hey, we're going to have lunch with Reinhard Bonnke. Um, Chris, can you come? And Chris, is, I see that tension in his eyes where he's like, 
I got to do all this responsibility. And it was my moment to shine, even though I love Reinhardt, right? (laughs) And so I I saw a moment to push him into his dreams. So sure enough, I said, I got everything. You go, go, go. So I took all the responsibility set up. And uh, he had this amazing time, amazing encounter, and these crazy doors open up. Well, a couple months later, he calls me up and says, hey, um, through Reinhardt and our, our senior pastor, Bill, a door opened up for, um, for us to go to a school of evangelism with Reinhardt, just 100 people. And, uh, and the Lord told me to pick you. It's all mm. paid for, your, mm. your airfare, your hotel, the school. And it was like I, a couple months later, I was sitting at a table with me and four other people in Reinhardt. I'm just going wow, God, I couldn't fabricate this on my own, but serving, going low, it, it opens doors. And yes. um, not that you do that with the heart, but it's just his goodness, right? Yeah. He, yeah. he just surprises us. So I've got story after story like that where serving um, somebody else's vision, I'm just a big believer in it. Yeah. And um, so, you, so what I'm hearing is you, you've learned and developed in that process. Is that, is that true? By serving somebody else, you've grown and you developed mature, spiritually in your maturity. And then also God has continued to open doors up in the process. Because I think as I've talked with with this podcast, mainly for missionaries, um, they're concerned that somehow that time's passing quick. And if they if they serve somebody else, somehow they'll lose their passion, they'll lose that. But what I hear in your heart is, is actually your passion has actually grown in the process. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. You know, again, it, it, it really is key to having leaders that can, they want to see you go further, but they really, how you have a heart to serve them. I mean, get in the trenches because there's been many times where, you know, we're just doing, doing things that aren't glorious. It's no stage. It's no, this it's, it's, it's sitting with homeless, broken people. It's, you know, you know, just, administration and all the things that that kind of bottleneck ministry and uh and finding his joy and presence in that i would encourage people that when you get around visionaries and you you serve them um yeah it it fuels and we have about 80 probably 75 to 85 departments in our movement hmm. um, in little old Redding, California. And that's what I've really seen is when you carry um, honor for individuals and what God's placed on their life, and it goes both ways. So people that are serving me yeah. and the individuals that I'm serving, um, and you see who God's created them to be and you want to push them into it, um, it creates this ecosystem of life and acceleration hmm. and momentum. And so that's what I would say is, I, I would agree with a lot of your listeners' tension, but it's if they don't have those leaders, then it's them becoming those leaders because yeah. that's really the heart of the Father is to see children, people that are coming up, go further, yeah. if that makes sense. 100%. 100%. It makes a ton of sense. One thing I wanted to um, ask you about today is uh, I know you're, you're leading and mobilizing uh, large teams. How do you work with um, those that you're leading to help them develop their self-awareness, other awareness, and also God awareness? There's a lot of, you know, in 
in my circles, there's a lot of focus now on self-awareness and other awareness. And then somehow God awareness, it kind of comes last. Is there a way we can integrate all those three things together so that we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, we're sensitive to us and guidance, but we're not offending people. And we're also aware of what's going on in ourself. Yeah, great question. You know, we, um, we have this saying in our environment where we want a supernatural heart with servant hands. Hmm. And so our city, we used to call um, our outreach, we used to call it like activations. Hmm. And we used to be like, we want to invade our city. But we found over time that when there's a city invitation and there's a long-term ownership, um, it, it, it gives the, the individuals we're ministering to another outlook on um, oh, here come those Christians. Oh, our, you know, here they come into our business. Here they come into uh, one of some of my favorite testimonies is we would lead a bar ministry for years. We just like, let's find the hardest and darkest places and go there at the, at the toughest times. And so it's a big passion of mine. I would take teams there down to Reno, partnering with ministries to help pull women out of sex trafficking and, and just God, where can you show up? And, uh, and so I know a lot of your listeners are probably in those environments where it's, it's not just your Western Christianity, but yeah. it's, it's hard. And so we had a passion to demonstrate his goodness, um, in ways that were, um, you know, um, overt and covert, if that makes sense. And yeah. so in our lifestyle, in our communication, in our love, but also like Paul said, I'm not coming with the wisdom of man and just you crafty words, but a demonstration of the spirit and power. And wow. so we're always taking that supernatural heart and going, whether we're raking leaves or we're at the bar um, and, and we're leaning in to look for those moments that we can be a burning bush, that we can have those and suddenly surprise moments where God shows up and they know. And so that's what we really lean into. So we look to develop people's self-awareness, God awareness by just staying in that place of Holy Spirit. What are you doing right now? And how can I take risk in getting people that maybe are a little more seasoned and, and marrying them with individuals that maybe are brand new, but just knowing there's no junior Holy Spirit hmm. and we've just got to, we've got to be ready to give away what God's put in us. So having people know what has he done in you? How can you articulate the gospel in your heart? How can you bring people in? Who is he highlighting? How can you, you know, embrace them and, and step out and take risk? And I remember one time we were at the bar and I'm horrible at ministering at the bar. I'm like been to the bar more as a Christian than I ever was. <laughs> Obviously we don't drink alcohol, but we get full of the Holy spirit. We get intoxicated with the love of God and we go in there and we just look to, to leak his love. And I remember one time I tried to act like somebody else who was super bold and just walk up and tell somebody about Jesus. And this guy looked at me balled up his fist like he's ready to punch me. And, um, and so I stepped back. I saw one of our team members. She was a 65-year-old lady that decided to come to our school who wasn't super passionate uh, from the South. Her name was Mama Ann. And um, I told Mama Ann to go talk to this, this guy who looked really tough. You know what I mean? 
And I kid you not, five minutes later, they're hugging and she's praying for him. And I just realized that thing that teamwork makes the dream work. And you know, like, even if I get rejected, it's not about me, but God, what keys on our team or what key is in our environment to touch somebody's heart. And I just remember the rejoicing I felt when we found that key to unlock that man's heart. So we actually had the bars um, they loved us. We'd break up fights. We would bring peace. We'd always get water or like sodas and we would tip the way the, the bartender uh, really well. Yeah. And he'd be like, why are you tipping me? And then we get words of knowledge and we just start ministering to them. And we literally, they invited us to special events because they loved us so much. They're like, we love what you guys do. Can you just come? We'd have bouncers that would pull aside on their break and be like, can you pray for me? And we see knees and backs. We had a guy that was a military vet, deaf ear, get his ear healed and just the power of God showing up. And uh, so that's our heartbeat. That's awesome, yeah. man. I, and I, I, I can listen to the stories all day long. And so when you, in those, in those moments and those opportunities, obviously, Sometimes people would take a different approach because what I hear, you're going in, you're loving the people, and they're drawn, they're drawn to the Holy Spirit inside of you. Yeah, is that something that you've developed and learned over time? Because I don't, I think commonly that's not the common reaction from the from Christians. It's more to, you know, scream and holler rather than to allow the Holy Spirit to shine and love when in the place in dark places. Could you just unpack that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, we want people to taste and see that he's good. Like it says in Psalms 34, eight, hmm. you know, we want individuals. Yes. We, we have a passion to preach the gospel, but there is this reality of, of how you bring the good news in a relevant and a, in a way that can connect with a heart to where they don't get triggered by their former thoughts of yeah. what Christianity is. You know what yeah. I mean? I remember one time I was on a plane and somebody asked me, they said, what do you do for a living? And I said, just jokingly, and it came out when I said, I'm a hostage negotiator. I take people that are bound in darkness and help them get into light. And they started laughing, but it engaged us right away. And then I started to tell them what I do. And, uh, and they just opened the door for me to share the gospel, share my testimony. And so we look, I, I believe that the fruits of the spirit Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, those leaking out, it, it's his kindness that lead people to repentance, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have a passion to um, demonstrate that in authentic ways. And I know you guys are in Madagascar, and for probably nine years I've taken teams to South Africa, which isn't too far away from you. Exactly. And uh, we've seen the same, the same reality of his goodness um, demonstrated to individuals all across the globe where we believe that people are one encounter away from the Lord and we just have to unlock that. And and a lot of times we press into the gifts of the spirit, words of knowledge, prophetic ministry, um, you know, words of wisdom, healings, miracles, signs and wonders that, that show them that he's real because that always dissolves their arguments and opens their heart. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. So I, I would even encourage, you know, your listeners to, to lean into the, the, the gifts of the spirit and lean into um, stepping out, hearing his voice and marrying that with their testimonies, with the gospel that's cultivated in them. Because uh, when people experience the love of God in a, in a way that 
is they can't argue out of it. It imprints them. One of my very good friends who interned with me years ago, he's a missionary in Afghanistan. Hmm. And he was with a big organization there. And he just got so frustrated because there were all these hoops that they had to jump through. And he was losing his passion. And he just said, you know what? I'm just going to. I'm just going to trust the Holy Spirit. And he just started trusting the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit say, ride your bike down here, do this. And they've had three kids over there and they've lived there for a while. And he would give this, give this um, recording to, you know, they call them their cousins, give it to your cousins. And uh, sure (laughs) enough, they're giving it to their cousins and asking to meet back up. And uh, just, he's seen so much fruit from, we may lose the organization. We may do this. We may do that. I've got to still trust the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And and that's that tension, right? That I'm sure yeah. a lot of your listeners struggle with. But I would encourage you, that's where you find life. Yeah. And it's finding the way to do both and bringing everybody into a place where they see that it's okay to trust Holy Spirit. That's awesome. That is awesome. You know, as you, you talked about uh, mobilizing teams and going overseas and going to different places, um, what do you think are some of the greatest overlooked opportunities that leaders, some t- when they're developing teams and they're mobilizing people, some of the greatest opportunities that um, they overlook? Yeah, you know, um, I think in my world, you see individuals that kind of can get stuck in church meetings or you can get, they can get stuck in the outreach. But I would say some of the greatest opportunities we see are at the gas stations when we're pumping gas and we turn our hearts and go, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? Um, Or when we're walking through the airport or just, you're just living a lifestyle of drinking in his love and pouring it out. And I would say that's where um, I see a lot of life. So, you know, we really encourage our students to, to touch, pour into their neighbors, pour into their friends, like see their families impacted. And I'd say when you're on the mission field, it's like um, some of the big things we focus on is really strengthening the locals mm-hmm. and, and bringing strength to them. Uh, through demonstration, but also we'll just minister to them a ton and pour into them because we're short term, they're long term. Um, And so, um, and then just helping them find what are they passionate about and breathing strength into those things and trying to, to push momentum. So we again come with the agenda of how do we serve what you're doing and what you're passionate about? Because sometimes, you know, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners know people get to the place where they're just, standing and holding the stakes in the ground, but there's not a lot of gas in the tank to, uh, to, to go and do. And so, um, that's our heartbeat. And then it's to follow up and continue to send teams. And I think we've been with pastor surprise in, in South Africa for about 22 years, bringing teams and going out, people moving out there, falling in love with the ministry. And so, um, they're an Irish ministry, but yeah, okay. that's, that's a big passion of ours. Yeah. And it's your, your, the point is you can't, you can't pour out of your cup what's not in your cup. And so if the life and the joy that you're talking about, it's not there, you, you can't give somebody what um, is not in you. 
And, um, it's, yeah. uh, and that is part of living over, living overseas is, uh, it seems like your cup has a hole in the bottom of it and <laughs> the parts of living over life, it kind of leaks out quicker. And so I always, I share that, you know, um, when I, after I spend my time with Jesus, um, I'm a lot like him, but the longer the day goes on, it seems to leak out of my cup. So anyway, it's, uh, oh, it's true. It's true. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. And so as you as work with these teams, you talked about collaboration with locals and um, when you go overseas, but in your community um, in Reading, what are some things that you're growing and learning about collaborating with others in your, your local community and then maybe communities is when you go on trips? Yeah. Well, in our, in our community, um, we know that our city's not going to be transformed with just Bethel Church. Hmm. We need we, we have a passion to unite all the churches. Okay. Um, we need the body of Christ in Reading. And we, we know that we play a part, but, but by all means, if we can't come under and serve some of the other churches' visions in town, that um, we're, we're not going to see the bigger goal of our city transformed. So that's a big part of collaborating make sure we don't get in a vacuum and just doing our own thing, but we're looking what's God speaking to you and what God's speaking to this ministry. So that's a big passion of ours. Um, And then was your, was your next question, you want me to talk more on that or do you want me to talk? However you would like to go. Um, Just, and then how do you collab when you work with those different churches, how do you collaborate then towards a common vision? Because I think sometimes we can, I have my vision and, but you're working, you said work with different churches in the, so you can reach Reading and the focus is Reading, not just your church at least that's what I heard you say. It's reaching people for Jesus. How do you work? Because sometimes there can be major challenges in that collaboration. And oh. How have you how how have you found that you can work through those challenges to keep the the goal in mind? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we a, a big part is humility. A big part is like we may uh, for for years we do these outreaches, and we would we would intentionally. Um, when the news would come, we'd point them to the other ministries and we would provide the manpower. We'd provide all the resources. We'd provide everything, but we did not want it to be a Bethel thing. We wanted it to be, whether it was a business that they were believers or it was another church. We wanted, we wanted the body of Christ to get, um, to get recognition, you know, to get, to, to be just because of the sheer size of our church and movement in Reading of a a town of a hundred thousand, you can hear a lot of Bethel this and Bethel that, but we want it to be a body of Christ thing. So even um, for years, we would take teams and have them go out to churches um, or out to our city. And we were seeing major impact. Uh, But our city had a huge homeless problem. Our city had uh, uh, some other huge problems with just, understaffing to keep the city clean. And so one of our senior leaders took a large amount of money, bought a ton of equipment and went to the city and said, what is your vision and how do we serve it? We have all this, this equipment. And uh, when this was in its early stages, I actually oversaw it. And then when they got a ton of money, uh, they brought in some new people and I kind of went back into my evangelistic lane, but the city at first was kind of like, Oh yeah, you can do this. But over time they saw 
that, wow, they really just want to serve. And what this did is it brought other churches on board and they're like, oh, you can put your name on your vest and this and that. People can see in in our senior leader said, we don't want to do any of that. We just want, we we don't want to have names. We just want to serve your vision. And it's grown to this massive thing where our our cities actually have gotten, um, and it's us and other churches, of course, but it's created momentum to have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of grants come into our city to yeah. beautify it from the state of California because of all the volunteer hours that have been tracked. So wow. it's really cool. We didn't know that going in. We just said, what's your vision and how can we serve it? And it's caused a, like a spotlight to come on our scene. We're talking hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so, um, and then as that's the city scope, as far as churches, uh, sometimes we lead and sometimes they lead. It just depends on the vision, but really valuing relationship over the vision um, hmm. is something we have established a lot of times. Is sometimes we just got to charge and lead and it, it stirs feathers, uh, which we have no problem doing. Um, for years, Bethel was kind of the, the laughing stock church in Reading um, in the early years. I've been coming to Bethel since 2001. Okay. And so um, they were the weird church up on the hill and all this stuff. But over time, um, I, I remember Pastor Bill's stories of him. We had like funds to do stuff. And then he'd hear of churches needing money to fulfill vision. And they'd take money out of what we were doing and give it to other churches and just serving the body. Mm-hmm. And so that has bonded a lot of the churches in Reading. And, uh, and I would say, uh, man, we're just eager to see our city transform. So if somebody has vision and passion, we want to get behind it. Yeah. So in my role, I have um, we have about 200 outreaches that go out every week or every other week or once a month. Most of them are at least every week. And they're partnering with churches. They're, they're doing all those little things I just communicated to serve our city. That's so. awesome. That's awesome. Angelo, as you, you know, the, we're in the middle of a, of a pandemic and there's been all, you hear all the negative news. Um, what's something that you're excited about as you look to, at the present, you're working with young people in a school of ministry, mobilizing them um, to share the, and make disciples. What is something you're excited about as you look to the future? Yeah, I'm excited about the the reality of the hope that believers carry and that we get to release to individuals in this time when there is so much shaking and uncertainty and that we can be anchored in Jesus in this time. And as we get breakthrough in our families and carry peace in our families, that it's just, a, it is a sign and a wonder to a lot of individuals. We don't have to be this super duper perfect individual, but just carrying peace and carrying joy and, and going to my neighbors and, and, and being like really authentically excited and and hopeful about life and what Jesus is doing. They're like, what's wrong with you? You know what I mean? And (laughs) and I get, I get to share with them why I'm anchored, why I have this peace because we have the Prince of Peace and it's, it's not cute language, but it's got to be that real, authentic, genuine reality in our hearts. And so I want to encourage, you know, individuals wherever they're at that when it's dark, it's, it's easier to shine and just Hmm. look for those moments to shine. And I would say that's what I'm, I'm really excited about. I'm excited for this, 
um, this pandemic to lift, but I, we see these threads. I've got friends all over that are sending teams to places that are, uh, that are having riots and they're seeing salvations break out and healings break out and they're doing worship services and just seeing God move. And so I got friends call me going, you got to get ready to come up here. And, and, uh, it's just, it's just awesome. But I've got four kids. Uh, they're eight, five, three, and one. And then I got another one on the way. And so in the midst of that, I'm like, partnering with my kids to stop for the one. How do I just love on the individual and not get caught up in the swirl of society, but Jesus, what are you doing? And how do I, how do I engage with that to see the individuals touched? And and that's, that's a big passion of mine right now. I'm sure. Angelo, I said that was going to be the last question, but you, you uh, just, if you can let me ask this one more, you, you shared yeah, about yeah. your, your, your kids and your, your wife and that, that sense of peace. Are, how do you walk with your kids in such a time of, there's a lot of turmoil going on and how is the head of your household, how are you and what wisdom you would have for, for parents out there so that they're, they're projecting that peace to the one, but also to their, yeah. their family to know that God is in control. He's the one that takes care of us as the leader of the house. Absolutely. You know, I try to do the little things really well. Um, so like, for instance, this morning, got up, it's 520. I'm at my CrossFit workout by 530. I get home. And I get my, my get my son up with my wife early, and we get over. We have this prayer house at our church, and me and my son, I'll take him, and we'll just walk around the prayer house, and just whether we're looking at the fish, and I'm just asking Holy Spirit, how can I minister to His heart? We take communion every time we go in the mornings, and pray for the day, and I just try to live out of the overflow. It's kind of like what's feeding me is going to feed my family, right? Wow. So. Yeah. As I feast on his presence, his goodness, worship is a big thing we try to do. Um, I told my wife the other day, I said, I want us to do, my wife's a musician and I'm a, I'm a closet musician, right? <laughs> uh, but I said, I want, I want worship at night with our family to be more important than dinner time. And hmm. so we really try to get together, play a couple songs, um, and it sounds horrible, right? But it, it's a joyful noise to the Lord. It's awesome because <laughs> they're all young. And, uh, <laughs> and, then, and then we turn on a, a little worship music and we see the shift in the peace yeah. manifest in our family. I'll see my kids' hearts open up and, and just those windows to, to minister to their hearts. And they minister back to me because it's like I'm constantly learning from them. Yeah. And so... It's trying to be authentic to following Jesus daily and not just coasting, if that makes sense. Because it's easy to coast. It's, it is easy to coast. But as you as said, if we're going to feed our kids with uh, physical food, the spiritual food is, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's powerful. That's powerful. Angelo, I have enjoyed our time together today. Would you pray for the audience? We, norm, we normally end the podcast by asking the, the, the guests to pray for the audience. And you can pray whatever direction you would like to pray. But Pray that God yeah. will use the wisdom and insight that you've shared and so that it's not just people gathering knowledge, but something that they will put into practice in their everyday life and be, as yeah. you shared, be people that are giving life, shining light, and people that are sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Yeah, I just, I just bless every individual that is listening to this podcast. And I just declare that reality of John 15 over your heart right now, that as you abide in him, as you sink your roots deep into the Father's heart, that you would, you would flourish and that you would bear much fruit. And I just declare that Psalms 91, grace and protection over you in this crazy season and i just we just breathe and declare peace 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 over you and fresh vision over you for the season that you're in yeah and I, I ask god that you would send angelic help to everybody that's listening that you would strengthen their hearts and you would cause uh the the team that you have to to gel to unify together to be strengthened we bless every listener and i just declare that the the, the end of this year would be uh, there be an acceleration of fruit that there'd be an acceleration of breakthrough in the midst of the tension and the crisis that i even declare financial breakthrough for you in jesus mighty name that what you've been sowing for years you would you would um turn and there would be reaping, surprise reaping for you. So we just bless you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Amen.